0: You are listening to The Mungry Podcast with Lillian Umarunji-Jung and Isabel Alexander. One is based in Vancouver and the other LA. Two besties from high school spill the tea on motherhood and share what's worthy of your precious time on the gram and Netflix.
1: Did you know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month? Today, we raise questions about postpartum and get answers from a very special guest.
0: And then on our Do It For The Gram segment, we're going to discuss the clusterfuck that is hashtag the meat recall of Memorial Day weekend, then finishing it off with our Netflix Pick of the Week. Here we go. Today, we are very excited
1: because we have a very special guest joining us. We have Keona Morrison. Kiona is a new mother of two and a wife, and she's here today to join our conversation around postpartum. Now, Kiona and Izzy have been best friends since, I want to say, early 2000s, right?
0: Yep, early, early 2000s. It's going down for the 99s and the 2000s.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You two were at GSU. And uh, and now you're both in L.A.? Yes. So did you follow Kiona or did Kiona follow you?
0: No, I basically followed her because she was already out here for ebbs for <laughs> oh, before okay. I dragged my ass out here.
1: Well, Kiona, thank you so much for joining us today. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so we, we found it really important to have this conversation and to make sure that everyone's aware that... there's opportunities today to get help and to get support, and your experiences are, are definitely going to help all of us uh, talk to each other more often and and really be able to seek the help that we need. Um, we just want to say that both Izzy and myself are not experts on anything. Uh, we are just speaking from our, our own knowledge, um, but Izzy does have some some facts to share with us. So Izzy, would you like to get into that?
0: Yeah, so I found it interesting as we were kind of doing some more research leading up to this episode that the, talking about postpartum depression wasn't even really a thing until the 1980s. So we obviously know that people were dealing with this way and well before that, but it hasn't really, yeah, it just basically came, came around in the 1980s and then people started doing studies on it and things like that. To date, seventy to eighty percent of women are going to experience at minimum what we call like the baby blue. So a lighter form of postpartum and then it can turn into the more severe condition of postpartum depression. With that being said, the current reported rate is about ten to twenty percent. And this is a people that are actually like talking about it to their doctors. so right. it's it's pretty much about one in seven of people that are having babies may experience this in the year after giving birth. So it doesn't really necessarily hit right away. And we'll kind of touch on that a little bit as we get into it with, with Keona, but it's not just something that's going on here in the U S or in Canada, it's worldwide. Um, one of the studies that we looked at said that in some of the Asian countries, the incidence of postpartum depression is 65% or higher in new mothers, which is huge. It's like More often than not, those people in those countries are going to end up with some sort of form of postpartum depression. And something that I found interesting was that moms of boys were found to be 71 to 79 percent higher at risk of having postpartum depression than those that deliver girls. So pray for your pray for your moms that have sons cause they out there reckless. The babies are reckless and the moms are dealing with a, a, a lot of stuff.
2: It's
1: interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Thank you and I, I'd love to hear from you. How were you able to recognize your experience with postpartum? Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, thank you guys for having me on and and I'm happy to join the conversation and talk about my experience. But to be honest, like, and I don't think I told you, Izzy, but Isabel is who told me I had it. <laughs> oh, um, I was just kind of suffering in silence, as a lot of us do, right after I, I got home from the hospital. And I don't know that I even I actually I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was mad. I was waking up angry. I was highly irritable. Like I couldn't hold conversations with my husband because he would say something that pissed me off and it wouldn't even be anything like of substance. (laughs) I just couldn't, I couldn't get hold of my emotions. I wasn't sleeping obviously, but also like even when I did have time i i couldn't rest and i just felt like like the, the anxiety i don't really i didn't suffer from anxiety before and i it just shot up like everything was giving me anxiety so i have two um i have a 1 year old and then i had my um second baby in february so on top of bringing a new baby home you know i had my toddler who wasn't understanding why i was holding this baby all the time yeah you know, on top of that. So she was actually pretty good about it, but I could tell like she was confused. And I, maybe it was me internalizing, like she would look at me like, Mom, like I miss you. And that was hurtful. So I think a couple weeks into it, I was just chatting with Isabel and I was telling her how I was feeling. And she's like, You think you might be, you know, <laughs> you think you might have postpartum? And I was like, uh uh-huh. <laughs> and she sent me this article. I don't remember that what the article was, but it, it ran down like ten things people with postpartum suffer from. And mm-hmm. I kid you not, like I had like maybe nine out of ten of the things and I was it just hit me like bricks. I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> duh. And so after that I went, you know, I told my doctor and she was you you know, you take the survey after you go um to your checkup and I was like scoring super high on it and she told me she was concerned for me and that's when I was like okay something's not right you know
0: right this is a thing like what you're feeling is is actually something
2: I didn't know I just thought like oh I'm tired I'm exhausted I have two babies of course like I'm irritable Well
0: mm-hmm. and I'll never forget like we were in a we were DMing back and forth on the gram and she and she said like do you think that Extreme mood changes, mood changes that are happening quite frequently is a sign of postpartum depression. And I said, absolutely. And I remember, Um, yeah, I sent you the article right away. mm -hmm. And so when, yeah, when you told me like, yeah, there's like 90% of this stuff, I feel hit the nail on the head. I I, I said, well, I think you need to talk to your doctor.
2: Right. So thank God for best friend slash doctor slash um, <laughs> <laughs> therapist slash everything as well as to me. Like I think what I was doing was just coping, like I, and I wasn't even doing that well. I was just like, oh, it'll pass. I, that's what I was saying to myself, like, I guess
1: when Izzy said, you know, I think that you're experiencing postpartum depression, did you were you open to to knowing that that was a possibility, or were you in denial? as well
2: oh no absolutely because I knew like this wasn't me like I wasn't Mm -hmm. feeling like myself at all the mood swings was just like swift and heavy and I don't I did not you know that's not me yeah and I think that's a hard thing
0: for a lot of people that that go through this and a lot of new moms that deal with this is is the balance between okay am I just struggling because in your case like you have two under two so am I just struggling to adjusting as a mom of two under two or is there something more going on
2: that's what it was like I was like oh I'm just tired like this is a symptom of being and having no sleep and then when I read the article (laughs) it was like no actually (laughs) this is a thing there's so many you know there were a lot of descriptions on like like literally everything was was explaining what I was feeling extreme fatigue difficulty doing like daily tasks threat and guilt that you feel like all of that
1: Isn't it fascinating how they they prepare us to have a baby and how to have a baby, but they don't really prepare us on how to recover ourselves, both mentally and physically and how to really nurture ourselves, but to also, you know, be surrounded and and have that support because going to what you were saying, Izzy, about how in other countries you have this support system for the first 40 days postpartum and that makes such a tremendous difference in terms of like how you actually are able to, to cope with things. Because how you were able to, to recognize what you're going through once Izzy sent you the article, that is tremendous. I know, I know that a lot of people, it is hard to even know that there's a difference between being in that position of raising kids and then in that position where something is actually happening to you. There's, there's something greater going on.
0: And I think it's almost easier for second time or, you know, third time moms, like not the new mom to maybe realize too, because if you've done this before and you didn't deal with postpartum your first pregnancy or your first, your first delivery, your first baby, you might not know that, okay, this extreme tiredness is not normal. Or these mood changes that I'm dealing with and the emotions that I'm dealing with now that I've just come home from the hospital with my new baby or months afterwards is not normal because you you haven't done it before. And yeah. if you don't have a support system around you or resources to kind of reach out to people, you may never know. Oh, I think that a lot of people go undiagnosed. And part okay, of the okay. reason, too, is that, you know, here in the Western culture, we do put more emphasis on the new baby after the new baby is born and not so much as, as we should on the mother and helping out the mother and surrounding the mother and helping with everyday tasks. Like African cultures, oh, you just had a baby, like you don't need to do nothing. Everybody's surrounding you. We're helping out, you know, in-laws are coming in and staying with you if they're able to. It's so you can actually bond with the baby and not worry about 75 million other tasks that you have to do <laughs> at that time. Yeah,
2: yeah that's exactly right. Because my first baby, I did not experience any of this at all. So, and I was in NICU with her for the first five days. So I think that kind of helped as well. I was in NICU, so I was in the hospital, right? I was being taken mm-hmm. care of for five days after I, um, actually six days after I gave birth. So. I was good by the time it was time to go home, you know, like I was nice and healed Uh or like, you know, on my way I was, I was good. But this time around, you know, thinking I know it all, I was like, (laughs) Oh, I'm like, my baby doesn't have to go to NICU. Okay. So we can go home. Right. Like I was rushing them to get me out of there. Just, you know, trying to get back to my, my other daughter. And and I got home and I was, it was just, immediately when I walked in, I was like, this was a mistake. Like I'm hurting. I have to walk to the bathroom. Like you don't think about the little things that you don't have to do when you're in the hospital room. Right. When you get home and you're like mangled still from giving birth. So I was just immediately angry when I got home.
1: And once you saw your doctor, what happened next? Because I think that some of the fear that perhaps some of us experience is after we seek help, we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know whether or not we're gonna, we don't know what sort of tests will be done on us, what sort of questions will be asked, but um, are you able to sort of share what your experience was like once you did see your doctor? Right,
2: so in my case, it was just about me taking action. Um, She suggested a maternal wellness program, which the hospital that she's connected to provides. And so it was either that or I go to my own therapist. Um, that's those were her suggestions, and then she suggested medication as well, but she wanted me to think about it. So I had three options. Uh, when I on my way home, actually, I looked up the I looked up the maternal wellness program before I left, and then on my way home, I called them, and. The lady who ran the program just kind of went down a couple of things with me and I kind of answered yes, 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 I'm feeling all that. And she was like, well, if you want, you know, Tuesday, we're going to have, you know, a visitor um, a day and you can come and see if this is something, you know, that will work for you. And I went because I knew I didn't want to, like Izzy, you said the statistics where people go for a better part of the year, like, yeah, I just knew that I couldn't go on fe- feeling like this and treating others <laughs> like in my rat in my um, commu- like in my space in my family mm-hmm. like I was doing because I knew that that wasn't me and I wasn't acting and I wasn't acting like myself so I knew I needed help like immediately yeah have you noticed a, a change or a difference since seeking help absolutely I went to the maternal wellness program and it was three days a week for about six weeks and it was basically a uh, group therapy they teach coping skills kind of like mother and baby attachment we did a lot of baby and me classes self they taught like self-care um it was also good to be in community with other women who were dealing with it at the same time yeah. and we use like our experiences and through the talk therapy to like i mean it it's a lonesome feeling. And so when you're put in this program with the other women, you're like, okay, it kind of normalizes it for you. And you don't feel as isolated because you're making yourself get out and go to this program and talk about what you're feeling. And then there's others there that can validate you right there in that moment, because at home, you don't get that. (laughs) You're just in your feelings and it's spiraling and spiraling.
0: Well, it's it's very. I think it's a very difficult thing to deal with, be as a mom because I mean dads they don't really they don't really get it. Yeah, they I'm sure like they're supportive, but this is not really something that a father goes through. Um, they do say that about ten percent of new fathers will experience some kind of depression during the postpartum period, but th- they're they're they are they 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 are usually going back to work at you know two weeks and whatnot, and then you you are just on your own with the baby and postpartum depression for the most part, even though it's, it's really common now, a lot of people still don't talk about it specifically in the black culture. It's not something that's talked about.
2: Absolutely. My mom said to me like, Oh, you're in that program. How long is it? Okay. Well, I don't want you in there too long. You know, we're strong. We've all done it before. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's, no. the, that's the misconception. That's, our, that's the misconception. That's archaic. Yeah, that's the yeah. misconception. Like, like, okay. I want I'm strong. Thanks, Mom. But. <laughs> like, Doing this because yes. I can help. Yeah.
0: That's exactly it. And one of the statistics I pulled, it had a breakdown of, you know, postpartum depression in new mothers, like, based on ethnicity and race. Mm-hmm. And the three highest categories that were dealing with it, black mothers 13.4% uh american indian and alaskan like native those of native descent were the highest at 16.6 and then the other one was oh. people of mixed race backgrounds 14.8%. so i think it's a combination of yeah old values, like old school mentality, old school values. Oh, we don't talk about stuff like that. Oh, that doesn't happen to us. Oh, we've done it before. It's, you'll you'll get over it. You just have to adapt. Culture clash culture too. Culture clash too. Traditions, Absolutely. things like that. So, you know, it is interesting in this day and age that there are people that really still go undiagnosed for a long time, or there are people that know they're kind of dealing with it, but are still hesitant to seek help because they don't really know what's going to come of it until Kiona told me that she was going to this like wellness group. I didn't even know this was a thing. I had Mm -hmm. no idea. I thought, okay, well, you talk to your doctor about it and they're going to give you like some kind of flyer or like maybe they're going to suggest medication or you're going to go see a therapist. But I didn't know that there's, there's like a group and you can be surrounded by a community helping you to deal with this issue. I think it's amazing. Um, Especially here in the U S where the maternity leave is trash and yeah. so not only did you just get handed this new baby to go home and take care of, but you know, hurry up and get yourself together because in probably like six to eight weeks, you're going to have to go back to work. It's not like in other countries where you're going to be off and you'll have time to deal with things and bond with the baby over a year or six months or three months or whatever the case may be like, no, you need to go
2: back to work with a quickness off. Yeah, you go. And, and we have to finagle our way to three and six months, like, yeah, that's pushing it for us. <laughs> like, oh no, you better get back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's unrealistic. That is the only crazy. reason that I was able to extend was because I was in the wellness program. Right.
1: Okay, so it is recognized. Absolutely. Yes. By employers. Okay. And what has your experience been since then? When you when you talked, have you spoken to other mothers now? Are you able to sort of recognize? similarities to what you experienced and sort of how is it how have you been able to sort of use your knowledge? Uh I mean this... I'm
2: still going through it now. I've just finished the program two I think it's been two weeks now. So I am learning, you know, without the program, without the three times a week help to manage myself. Um, and, and I'm also going back to work next week. So that's going to be a whole nother ball game. But yeah, I yeah. do have friends who have just had babies as well. And we, you know, I have these um, chat groups and then just texting them to make sure they're doing well mentally. Like not just how's the baby, but, you know, how yes. are you feeling? And absolutely, I do. I know what questions to ask now mm-hmm. <laughs> to my friends, like just to make sure they're in that, in a good headspace. And I I haven't come across anyone who I've had to suggest, you know, the program to yet, but I'm glad that I have those tools now to be able to do that if I have to in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel that you're going to be a blessing to somebody else who's going to be going through it because you'll be able to maybe help them identify or to give them the tools and resources to get the help needed, because it is something that okay, it, whether or not you go on medication or you go through a program, I see people posting about it in the mom groups all the time. And I have other friends that have dealt with this that are, you know, coming up on their kid as a year. It's, it's, there's, it's still a struggle or there's even women who they're, you know, they're now just asking questions. Their kid is 18 months old. Like I think I might be dealing with postpartum depression. Is this even a thing this far after I've had my baby? Yeah. So it it is something mm-hmm. that it's not, Okay, so you leave the hospital and boom, now the depression hits you that that first day. Not everybody's like that. It can come in waves, and it can come at any point in your postnatal journey.
1: Yeah, and right. I think it's I, th- I think it's really important for the for the people that surround us when we when we do have babies, be it you know the grandmothers, the mother in-laws, the moms, I think educating them that postpartum depression exists and what the symptoms are will help them make a better approach to us or when we do have babies. Because one of the things that I find, uh, at least that I experience postpartum, is when people were asking, and Keona, you just touched on this, and it, it really triggered me um, in the best way, but when people say, how's the baby, and not how are you,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: when they, when they don't pay attention to the fact that you know, they say, hey, can I get you anything? But I think it's, I think it's important for us to be more specific. um, Because if one of us is experienced postpartum depression, it's, it's much more useful when we hear something like, hey, what's your grocery list? Or what's your, you know, what time do you need? uh, Or what time do you need your dishes done? Or I just feel like when we make these little adjustments and, and ask people when they need their space, and when they don't need their space, we can really be getting closer to them to the point where we can start to provide them with the support that Izzy was able to
2: provide to you. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. That's very true. Because in the beginning, Izzy knows like I, she's like, tell me when you, I can come over. And I'm like, okay. But in my mind, like, no, no. Like, I wasn't, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't letting anyone come over. Like, if they would come over, it's because they didn't, not, they would just show up and not be pissed. They would pop <laughs> up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I needed that, you know, like, I was isolating myself because I didn't know what was going on. hmm and I think that's, that's something that's hard too, because I felt guilty
0: as a friend, like, okay, I feel like she's struggling. I feel like she's going through something. She, I, I, I want to help. I want to come. I offered to come. I can come take the other baby out. Like, tell me what you need. Let me know if you need me to drop off some groceries. But yeah, I think it is, it's isolating and you're like, no, nah, dude, I don't want anybody coming to my house. Like, I don't even want to see you. So there is that fine line between How much can you help, but then not be a nuisance and be like a stalker? Like, hi, I just left you some groceries at your door. But (laughs) sometimes you need that, right? Like, you need you need friends to like pull together and maybe set up a freaking meal train that they call it, where like everybody you know picks a date on the calendar and then okay, I'm gonna get pizza delivered to them at this day at this time. I'm gonna drop off food, or even if it's not, I don't even have to come into house. I'm just gonna leave some shit outside for you because you need to eat or check that is
2: yes yes. that's real and check you don't eat in this
0: time period either no you don't (laughs) have time to eat you don't have it you know so so recognizing that that maybe it's not it's not you when they're saying like no i'm not ready for visitors like it's not necessarily they don't want to see they're just mentally at this
2: time i cannot deal with this right and 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 to on the other side too people really don't take it personally that's right as well because a lot of a, a couple of people were like what and i'm like yo i don't have time to stroke your ego right now like i just don't want visitors yeah yeah yeah
1: so. yeah like i'm not trying to get ready and look good i want to be my <laughs> right i want to feel the way i'm feeling right now leave me alone yeah That was, that was my personal experience was people came over. If my eyebrows weren't drawn on, I was pissed. (laughs) I didn't want them near my front door. (laughs) I wanted food at the door. Just leave, leave, leave. Don't come in. Don't hold the baby. Just leave me alone, please.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's real. And I think that that is important to know, like you don't need to necessarily come and stay for a visit where you have two hours, maybe just swing by leave something on the front door and just let them know like hey i just dropped off a couple groceries like it's outside when you're ready just grab it i had to head yeah. back out but you know right i wanted to check in and see we need to we need to check on your friends you need to check on your friends and see how they're doing mentally physically and emotionally in addition to how is the baby doing because becoming a new parent like not even just a new mom just becoming a new parent in general is hard. It's a clusterfuck. It's hard. It's a human being that you've brought into this world. Think about. First of all,
2: you don't know what you're doing. You don't know. (laughs) It's all new. Like, yeah, you you need you need that support. And a lot of people. I'm glad you guys are doing this because more of us young girls too need to know this. Yeah. Yeah, we need to pass it on. Exactly.
0: So surround yourself with your village. They always say it takes a village. It really does. Uh, If you need help and you're struggling, reach out to your doctor, look into the resources that are available to you, check with your insurance company to see if a wellness program is covered. If you have a friend that you suspect is dealing with postpartum depression, find a way to bring it up. Um, Don't come at them like, hey, B, I think you're depressed. (laughs) Yeah. No, find, no, a, no. find a good way to bring it up to them and just be an advocate for that person. But yeah. And that, one of the things that the the ACOG or the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists are pushing for is to move up the postnatal visits, because right now they're at about six weeks. If you had a vaginal delivery, like you're probably going to go see your doctor at about six weeks after. So they are pushing to move that up to about two to three weeks post delivery so that they can quickly address these types of issues if the mom is feeling like she has some sort of postpartum depression at that time. So I think that that's gonna be something that's important moving forward too. But people, yeah, just you just need to be aware. So again, like we said, if this is something you've dealt with or you think you're currently dealing with, talk to somebody.
1: Yes, and if you are in British Columbia, Call the number 411 and there's a nurse that's available and they will actually come to your house and visit you as many times as you need them to. And they will help you with everything. They will wow. talk to you through all of your feelings. It's one of the greatest benefits of being in Canada. I took full advantage of it. So, so definitely take advantage of the, of the resources that are available.
0: If you guys have any input, please continue the conversation with us on social media at mumgree and let's let's spread the word. Thank you so much, Kiona. Thank you.
1: And now it's time for for the Gram. What's going on?
0: All right. So what's been popping on the Gram and like really all social media is people shitting their pants over this latest meat recall that the USDA basically just released. Ahead of Memorial Day weekend, the USDA has recalled over 62,000 pounds of raw beef due to E. coli concerns. (laughs) <laughs> so here's the thing, like there's been at least 20 recalls this month. Yeah. Um, hashtag donuts are still safe, but That's all it, that it, it, it ranges from anything from like chicken to, you know, beef products and, and, and salad with meat products. This one is huge because as everybody's getting ready for their barbecues, there's more than 40 products on the list. Most of which are cuts of steak, like ribeyes, ribs, briskets. I mean, geez. So, so wait, just, this came out. This came out today, or what? What day did this come out? This came out on Thursday,
1: and Memorial Day weekend is now. So we're it's, recording this on Saturday. In,
0: it's Saturday today. We're in the midst. Like people probably already ate some of this shit. Um, it's meat that was packaged in April and then shipped nationwide. So anybody's stuff could be affected moral of the story is i mean make sure that you're cooking your stuff well use a meat thermometer if you don't have one you better order one on amazon you better go to the grocery store at dollar tree somewhere and make sure your shit is cooked thoroughly because the worst thing that could happen at your barbecue is like a couple of days after people calling you saying that they can't stop shitting their brains out or they're puking okay or at so the hospital because t- so they have a question
1: for you when you step outside or have have you stepped outside today? Does it smell like anything? <laughs> I haven't
0: it... smelled not a barbecue in sight yet. <laughs> Most people I think are going to be barbecuing like tomorrow and then Monday, which is actually the holiday. Uh-huh. But I haven't, I mean, I haven't smelled a barbecue yet. It does make me nervous though. Like we have a bunch of people that, you know, there's lots of street meat here in LA. Oh yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to be too keen to go buy carne asada from the dude on the corner that's always slanging it knowing that this shit might have been part of the recall like you you might die for that brisket or those ribs
1: the thing about these recalls is you never know when you can go back to eating like at least for me I never know like the romaine lettuce thing was that a huge thing for you as well in the states or
0: it was huge
1: and And it was everywhere and are you eating romaine lettuce again
0: I'm not super big on salads myself Donald is but we've come back to it At this point in time, I feel like it's probably safer than ever now, post-recall, to eat that stuff because they're going to be a little bit more stringent with, you know, what they're doing, Um, testing it, cleaning it, packaging it, things like that. But, uh, no, there was no no remain to be eaten during that time. That was gross.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, well, it's a mess out there, people. I think everyone should just transition to i don't know i don't even know what to transition to because there's no lifestyle that doesn't require lettuce
0: look i'm telling you bacon is still yeah. safe and donuts are still safe no i feel like it, the, most of the recalls has been a, an attack on vegans like <laughs> all the freaking <laughs> vegetables were not safe people were slicing their damn wrists when the avocado recall was whoa, happening whoa, whoa. Oh, time out. Yeah. what yeah Avocado do recall Hashtag what the guac. Yes, there was an avocado <laughs> recall a couple months back. Yeah. And um, it wasn't really a recall, but more so they were saying that they are, you're at risk of salmonella. And they were cautioning people to wash their avocados before consuming them, and I was thinking, why the hell would I wash my avocado? Wash well, avocado? I'm, Me, okay. Yeah, I'm not fucking eating the skin, right? Yeah. But it's because when you go to slice into your avocado, right, it seeps you in. slice through the skin and then it seeps through, right? So a bit much. So basically, wash all your stuff before you eat it. Donald's been on this huge like organic food kick, and he. He's been eating a ton more vegetables. So we actually have a veggie wash spray that we've purchased. So we've been using that a lot too. But just, yeah, moral of the story, wash your meat and wash your damn vegetables.
1: Wow. Okay. So just stay hungry. Stay hungry. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right, guys. And now we're going to go into our Netflix pick of the week.
0: The pick of the week this week is called What If... On Netflix.
1: Okay, so so I haven't actually watched this. I want to know what it's about because I saw the trailer and uh, the the first thing I have to say is Renee Zellweger looks incredible. Her hair, it's got volume for days. What what is she using?
0: I don't know. This is the best I've ever seen her look like this is she's looking bomb. I mean, I don't know what she did to her like her face and her neck because at one point she was looking a hot ass mess. But she has all those together. Bridget Jones' diaries, all those Bridget Jones' diaries, right? Mm-hmm. So she has pulled it together with a quickness and she looks smoking. She's like, she's she plays a cougar in this uh, series. Um, she uh-huh. is like this billionaire who is helping out this girl with her medical tech startup company. Okay. And there's, I'm um, five episodes in right now. I started watching it today. So it's definitely binge worthy. They yes. are full length episodes though. So the, the first one is 57 minutes, and most of them are are bordering on an hour. Ten episodes, one season to get through. Um, if you're super ADD, this mm-hmm. is the show for you. Because there's a lot of shit happening in the show. There's a lot of storylines, a lot of webs being weaved. It like bounces that. around a lot, so it will keep your attention. But at the same time, you're kind of like, what the hell is going on this whole time? Again, it's called it's called What If uh lay Le- jane levy blake jenner and renee zellweger are the stars of the show um it's a good one check it okay. out
1: that's our netflix pick of the week
0: all right guys thanks for tuning in and as always stay mumgree.
1: stay mumgry